Are you still not sure if you're a freak or a geek? Are you still a mall rat? Do you spend hours at night trying to do the time warp like your favorite Rocky Horror character? If so, you should check out Pensacon, the premier convention on the Gulf Coast. If you want to meet great guests like Michael Rooker, Jason Mewes, Jim Cummings, Nell Campbell, Peter Davidson, and many more, head out to the Pensacola Bay Center February 19th through the 21st. For ticket information, visit Pensacon.com. Pensacon, find your fandom. You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. Welcome to episode 92 of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. Thank you so much for making us part of your day, and we've got a great show planned for you this week. You'll be hearing my conversation with a legend in the comic book industry. He has worked on so many great things from Heavy Metal Magazine, G.I. Joe, Indiana Jones, Aliens, Predator, but he's most noted for his work on Star Wars. And he's actually voted by the fans as the number one Star Wars artist of all time, Mr. Dave Dorman. And I met him briefly back at the inaugural Pensacon in 2014. And he'll be back at Pensacon this year, which you heard at the top of the show, uh, is next weekend at the Pensacola Bay Center. So if you're in the area, definitely check it out. But it was great getting to talk with him about his career, Uh, going to conventions, because he's been going to conventions for so many years, and comparing them from the 70s to the 80s to now, and seeing the progressions of how those have evolved, and even talking with him about his work on Star Wars, because as a kid, I read the Dark Empire book religiously. It's probably my favorite Star Wars extended universe story that I've ever read, and I got that book when I was a kid, And what drew me to it was the cover. And just seeing Luke Skywalker in this full black suit, almost like he's in the Darth Vader suit with his green lightsaber and everything going on in the background, it just drew me in and I had to get that book. And Dave Dorman is the one who did the cover. So it was great getting to talk with him about that. And even with, you know, someone who has worked in the extended universe and it being well noted by Disney that the extended universe is not canon. So getting to talk with him about that was really cool, and he was just a very nice guy, very easy to talk to, and I can't wait to meet him again in person at Pensacon. So hopefully you guys really enjoy this interview. I had a lot of fun doing it. But before we get to that, I have a quick question for you. Are you looking for new original music? If so, you should check out Atomics, the brand new EP from my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers, featuring the vocals of Joey Trincali. It has three brand new tracks, including their single Tomorrow's Plan, which happens to be the theme song of this very podcast. This EP is unlike anything the Unicorn Wranglers have done before, so support local music and check out Atomics, which is available now on iTunes and Spotify for only $2.97. You can also follow the Unicorn Wranglers on social media, like them on Facebook, just search for the Unicorn Wranglers, and you can follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at Wranglers. And finally, be sure to check out their website, theunicornwranglers.com. And without further ado, here is my conversation 
with Dave Dorman. Sitting here with my very special guest this week, he is an illustrator, a writer, and voted by fans as the number one Star Wars artist of all time. I have Mr. Dave Dorman. Dave, how you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me on the show. Oh, thank you very much for, for taking the time to do the interview. I, I don't know if you remember me, but we briefly met uh, at Pensacon when you were in town. Uh, I think it was now two years ago. So I, I've been a big fan of your work, and you know, as I said, I, I appreciate you taking the time to do the interview. And then you know, Steve Baker helped set this up, and it's kind of crazy. It's, it feels like a small world. You know, just one person can open the doors to so many different people. It it is a small world. My wife uh, seems to to know everybody, which is very odd. Uh, but uh, that's that seems to be her talent, and and I sort of. Cruise along those coattails. So she's the type of person that whenever you guys go out, chances are she'll run into somebody she knows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty strange, but, uh, you know, she's a very social person, and, and um, uh, it's it's very cool. That That is very cool, and I, I have a few friends that are like that. It seems like even if we go out to dinner, they run into somebody they know, and I'm like, I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, mentioning yeah. uh, Pensacon, I wanted to start off by asking because uh, you've you've been in the the illustration business for a long time. Uh, when what year was the the first convention that you ever went to, and what was the first one? Um, the first convention of of any type, or the first convention I was a professional at. I will say professional. Okay. Uh, that I can't tell you because I've, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have quantified that, uh, that answer, um, or that question. Um, I've, I've been going to conventions, uh, since I was uh, probably about 14 or 15 years old. Um, and, uh, so, you know, after I became a professional, going to conventions was just something that, that I did, uh, in general you know, in my fan life and subsequently into my professional life. Uh, I started going to conventions, I would say probably in 1974, 75. Uh, we were living in Maryland at the time. My dad was military, uh, so uh, he got transferred to Maryland, and uh, we were living there. And uh, they um, uh, had... Uh, conventions at um, uh, the University of Maryland, just small conventions in their student union. Uh, you know, people would just bring their boxes of comics and set up and sell. And that's where I started to uh, uh, go to shows. And then, you know, I, I, there'd be bigger conventions with you know, artists, guests, and, and such, so I would go meet them. And, and that's when I started to uh, really work on on my artwork and my craft, and and eventually I started bringing my artwork to conventions and and showing it around, getting some uh, critiques, and and uh, just hanging out, seeing the panels that the artists were on. And uh, I eventually started branching out, going up to New York, and Maryland. Uh, it's about a, a four to five hour train ride uh, from New York. Uh, and so I would, you know, hop the train, uh, going up to New York to, you know, one of the bigger shows and 
and uh, take my portfolio, get some uh, critique, and and uh, you know see the see the bigger uh, bigger artists that uh, went to the bigger shows, and eventually um, uh, you know in it, it, as it happened in uh, 1982, I took a um, train ride up to New York, and and uh, it was specifically for um, uh, showing my portfolio, seeing who I could talk to uh, in the publishing business, book publishers, magazine publishers, seeing if I could get some work, and uh, I eventually did. I, I got a cover for Heavy Metal Magazine and some work with Epic um, uh, Illustrated uh, at Marvel and uh, uh, a cover for Savage Sword of Conan. So 1982 was, uh, was a pretty big uh, year as far as opening the door uh, for me. And, you know, I I continue to go to uh, shows. So uh, conventions have been a big part of my life, and I really enjoy getting up. Uh, you know, back when I was a fan, it was great to, to go and, you know, look at, uh, you know, old books and, and talk about comics. And now, you know, as a professional, it's great to go out and meet the fans, you know, see the, the, um, the people who enjoy my artwork buy my books. Very cool, and the reason why I ask is, you know, you've been going to conventions for a while. What's the difference between conventions back then compared to now, or is there a big difference? Well, there is a big difference because um, uh, the collector community, you know, back then, during the 70s and early 80s, um, uh, you know, was very comic book oriented. It was strictly comic book oriented. Those shows... Uh, you would uh, never see, you know, a TV star or a movie star, um, you know, very little cosplay. Uh, it was just, um, you know, collectors looking to uh, you know, fill out their collections, you know, buy old books, you know, buy new books, um, uh, you know, just fans in general. Uh, the shows nowadays uh, tend to be uh, a little bit more multimedia oriented. You you get a lot of uh, um, you know movie stars, TV stars, wrestling stars, um, you know writers, artists, uh, different uh, types of creators, cosplayers. That's a, that's really big. That's come up in the past uh, probably you know six to eight years, mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of families come into the shows now. Uh, so it's definitely uh, um, uh, broadened its base uh, as far as fandom goes. Uh, by uh, being more multimedia shows, uh, there are a couple, you know, more strict uh, comic book shows uh, uh, around the country. But um, uh, today, if, if you look at the calendar of conventions, uh, most of the shows uh, are multimedia because it bring, brings in a bigger crowd. Right. And uh, what exactly is the process of preparing for a convention as an artist? Like, do you? have a set idea of what pieces you want to bring, how many, like how many of that piece, like what, what exactly is the process that you go through to get ready for a con? Uh, I, um, over the past couple of years, uh, figured out what my audience is, is really, you know, looking for from me, uh, when I come to a show, um, most of uh, my fans, um, you know, are Star Wars fans because that's pretty much uh, uh, you know the biggest uh, uh, license that I've worked with. Although I have Indiana Jones fans, uh, Batman, Aliens, Predator, um, you know I, I, I have fans uh, you know across the board. But Star Wars is is probably the most recognizable, most uh, popular. Uh, 
And, uh, you know, from that, uh, what uh, uh, I do uh, is, uh, uh, you know, plan on, on bringing some prints uh, to sell. I uh, try to make uh, um, what I bring affordable to fans, not uh, not real expensive and, and uh, you know, nothing cheap. So I bring, you know, nice prints. I bring, you know, books that I've done covers for. Um, I don't bring artwork anymore because uh, of the Internet, uh, making it much easier to purchase art directly mm-hmm. from I can be contacted by my fans directly. Uh, so I tend not to bring artwork anymore. Uh, I do sketches at shows. Uh, so if anyone is looking to buy a piece of artwork, I can do them, you know, a sketch right there uh, at the show. But, uh, uh, you know, just over the years, I've just whittled it down to, uh, you know, I, the prints that uh, my fans are interested in and, uh, you know, books that, that I know that, um, uh, you know, some fans might not have been able to pick up uh, uh, at their local shops. And, uh, you know, my pens to sign books. A lot, of, uh, a lot of fans bring their books for me to sign. And, and uh, you know, my signature is always free. I don't charge for it. And um, uh, it's always uh, a pleasure to uh, you know, see the smile on their face when I sign their books. I really enjoy hearing you know that type of attitude because to me every artist guest whatever medium you might be from they should have that mentality of wanting to make the fans happy. Well, I mean the the, the fans really are the employers, you know, of the person. I mean the the studios you know may hire the actors to make the films and the the comic companies you know may hire us artists and and writers to produce the books, but it's really the fans, the, the people that, that put their money down at the bookstore or, or buy the ticket, uh, you know, in the theater or, you know, uh, you know, pay for HBO to watch a show. Um, you know, those people are the ones who are saying, you know, this is what we like. And so I, you know, thank them. And, and this is one of the few businesses that, that, um, you know, uh, someone can actually go out and thank people for, um, for you know purchasing their services and so uh, I'm, I'm very grateful that I'm in that business that I am able to go out and uh, personally thank you know people who come to the shows and say thank you for uh, you know supporting my work and, and liking my artwork absolutely it's you mentioning that Star Wars seems to be your biggest audience has that increased since you know the anticipation of the new movie yeah, it has, and um, uh, you know, Star Wars has sort of ebbed and flowed uh, over the past thirty years. When Dark Horse um, produced Dark Empire in nineteen ninety one, that was after a very uh, dry period of, of Star Wars material. After uh, Return of the Jedi, the movie came out, uh, the toys came out, you know, all the licensing came out in uh, uh, the mid eighties, and it just sort of died down. So the you know, 89, 90, um, there was no new Star Wars material. So Dark Empire came out and there was a resurgence. And I was lucky enough to be you know, at the forefront of that with uh, my work with Dark Horse and, and the Dark Empire series, Crimson Empire, um, Tales of the Jedi, um, X-Wing. Um, you know, all, all of those were just some great series. And, and that sort of brought back the resurgence of... of Star Wars to the fandom, you know, to the point where obviously uh, Lucas thought it was uh, a good time to uh, get, you know, his prequels going. 
And so the prequels came out, and obviously it's been a good number of years since uh, the third one. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, Star Wars was real hot then, and it sort of, sort of you know, waned a little bit. Um, not as much as the dry period in the, in the late 80s, but it sort of waned a bit. And then, uh, uh, you know, the Lucasfilm deal went through with, with Disney, and Disney announced a new film, and the, the uh, 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 heat started... Uh, uh, cranking up a little bit, and fans got excited, and and um, you know fans started uh, looking at my work again, and uh, the, then you know convention uh, organizers started uh, you know calling asking asking me to uh, uh, you know do a few more shows than I would normally do because of my tie to Star Wars, and and I'm certainly happy to promote Star Wars as, as much as I can because I'm just a big a fan as most people out there as well. So I'm just lucky enough to be able to produce new Star Wars material that uh, fans can enjoy. But yeah, it's uh, it's real nice to see that uh, um, that fandom, you know, uh, react so positively and, and so um, um, anxiously. Absolutely, and yeah, it's. I will say it. it it's disappointing in a way because they announced that all the Star Wars stories, like the, the quote-unquote extended universe, isn't canon. But to me, you know, it's it's still there. Like, it, it doesn't erase it. Well, well, that's right. It, it's, it's not, you know, like a chalkboard. It, it's not where you, you wipe your hand and it's gone away. Uh, because those books are out there, and those books have fans, and, and I think those books will always have fans. And uh, just because it's it's not quote canon, you know, it doesn't mean it's not enjoyable, and and, and it, it's it's you know it 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 has negated you know any of the fun of those stories and and uh, uh, you know the tales of those characters that we love so much in the movies. Um, you know that's a business decision on on uh, Disney's part, and I can understand it. You know, for particular business reasons and storytelling reasons, but I, I think that um, you know, still there's there's you know a generation of kids who you know haven't read those dark horse books and don't have you know that knowledge of, of the expanded universe, and so this will all be new to them, and that's fine with me. I mean, the story is a story. Whether you think it's it's part of, you know, what uh, is is you know approved, or whether it's just something you enjoy, um, you know, that's up to the reader. Um, Disney can say, you know, what's canon for what they want to do, but the books are out there, and and uh, I think let the fans uh, say what they want to enjoy. Right, and I remember always wanting because Dark Empire is. You know, one of, if not my favorite, Star Wars Extended Universe story, just because it, it it added such a new dynamic, you know, with Luke turning to the dark side to learn its secrets, but ends up actually turning, and Leia has to save him, so putting her at more at the forefront of the action, and just everything about it, I thought, was a, a that would have made a good sequel trilogy. But at the same time, with them saying that it's not canon, no one knows what's going to happen with the new movie, and I, I think that's going to be a really cool aspect of it. Because with the prequels, you knew where everything was going to end up, but with right. these new ones, you you don't know what's going to happen. Right, exactly, and uh, you know that that uh, anticipation and suspense is uh, uh, you know really 
what a lot of these fans are, are looking forward to. Um, you know, if they if they knew that it was going to be, um, you know, a, um, a film, you know, based on Dark Empire, uh, you know, there'd be preconceived notions and, and uh, you know, maybe a lot of fan blowback on it and, and uh, you know, a lot of criticism you know, before filming would even start. Um, you know, that's why I say I think it's a good business decision on Disney's part. Uh, start fresh. Um, uh, you know, deal with, uh, uh, you know, the current um, uh, interest, uh, you know, developed from uh, the animated shows and, and uh, let some, some, you know, fresh takes on some of the characters, you know, come in and, and reinvigorate things. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with uh, uh, just, you know, going with the flow and letting them, uh, uh, you know, see what they can do. Absolutely. And uh, something else I was curious about, uh, you know, you've been an illustrator and an artist for a long time. Uh, what was it that made you want to be an artist? Like, was that something that you knew you wanted to do as a kid, or was it something that kind of came along later? Uh, you know, I started, um, uh, really, my interest in art is reading comics. Um, growing up in the late 60s, uh, I was, um, you know, I was a Marvel fan. I, I really didn't read too much DC books, but I, I read Marvel. I read Fantastic Four and, and the Avengers, Captain America, uh, you know, a lot of the classic uh, uh, books of that era, you know, great art from, from uh, Jack Kirby, uh, Jim Steranko, Steve Ditko, um, John Buscema, um, just some really good storytelling and, and um uh, that really, you know, sort of grabbed my attention, and that's how I started to learn to draw. Was I, I would copy uh, the comics, I'd copy the superheroes, and try to learn anatomy and structure and and things, and you know, try to make my own comics. And so the 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 storytelling form of comics has always interested me since I was a kid, and that led you know directly into my interest in doing you know science fiction fantasy and and uh, you know comics as as an adult um uh having you know taken made that decision and i made that decision in high school it was it was pretty late uh as far as as you know saying you know i want to be an artist i dabbled in and i enjoyed doing it but it really wasn't until i was in high school that i had to uh, um you know find a direction in in my life and and i thought you know i really enjoy art and i really enjoy drawing and painting and so that's the way i'm going to go and um uh, so i i made that decision you know i i i found my my path and i followed it and i just worked very hard i i went to you know one uh liberal arts college um that was teaching more fine art and uh, I didn't really learn, learn illustration, uh, you know, what I wanted to learn uh, at that school. And then um, I spent a year at the Joe Kubert School of Illustration, an uh, 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 illustration um, an academy in Dover, New Jersey. And uh, I went there for a year and learned quite a bit, but I left there after the first year because um, at that time, which was in the late 70s, uh, they didn't have a painting curriculum. Uh, it, was, it was all illustration, line drawings, uh, pen and ink work. Um, 
uh, work, you know, tending more towards uh, comics and and magazine illustrations and not not really set up for painting. Uh, so I dropped out and just taught myself how to paint. So, and, so you're um, self-taught for the most part? For the most part, yes. I, I, I would say as far as painting goes, I'm definitely self-taught. As far as uh, artwork, um, uh, in general, uh, the two years that I had uh, in, in the schools uh, were good as far as, as setting me up for um, learning, uh, you know, a lot of basics and, uh, you know, composition and tone and, and uh, perspective and, you know, a lot of things that go into building a proper uh, illustration and telling a proper story. Um, but the direction that I wanted to go stylistically, uh, they were not able to give me in, in their uh, curriculums. So, yes, uh, uh, when I made the decision to start painting, uh, I taught myself how to do that. And, you know, in, in the end, I think it was a, a really good decision for me because I was able to, to teach myself what I wanted to know uh, and what I wanted to learn in a much shorter time than it would have taken if I would have gone through, uh, you know, a four-year school curriculum. Right, and that's, I think that's great because, to me, whether you're an artist or a filmmaker or a photographer, and education is important, but I think the best way to really learn is just to go out and do it. If you want to be an artist, draw, draw, and draw some more. If you want to be a writer, you write. If you want to be a filmmaker, you go out and you make films because just doing it to me is the best way to learn. Yeah. The best way to learn is through experience. Absolutely. And, um, a lot of the techniques that, that I have, uh, are very, uh, unconventional because I wasn't in that sort of structured, uh, curriculum setting. I didn't have someone looking over my shoulder saying, no, you do it this way. You can't do it that way. Um, you know, and it turns out I can do it that way if I want. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, I, I think any creative um, uh, person, you know, going into uh, any medium um, is, is probably better off in some instances just learning by experience rather than learning in the classroom. And plus, especially with the creative types, everyone does things their own way. So to me, there shouldn't be a set way that's taught on how to do those types of things because it kind of eliminates, you know, your style. Like you have a distinctive art style, you know, Jack Kirby has a distinct art style, you know, and the same thing goes with film. You, if you learn how to do things your way and develop your own style to me, that, that helps in the long run. Right. And, and that's something that I stress when I do lectures um, and demonstrations is, um, you know, I, I tell the class that, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not really a teacher. You know, I can show you the techniques that I've developed, you know, for my style. But you as, as the student uh, need to uh, develop your own style. You can take my techniques and adapt them to how you feel comfortable uh, in your style and your painting, but you know I can't teach you how to paint. You know I'm just showing you techniques, and I, I try to make that clear because um, 
you know, some students uh, uh, you know, don't really understand that, that the teacher can only teach what they know. And uh, uh, the, the artist, you know, needs to, to pull from within themselves, you know, how they want to approach the art. Exactly. And you had briefly mentioned earlier, you know, you've worked on uh, a heavy metal magazine. Was that your, your first quote-unquote professional job? Yeah, it was. Uh, um, Heavy Metal of July of uh, 1983 was the first published piece that I had professionally. And uh, it was uh, quite quite an honor because I was a fan of the Heavy Metal magazine ever since it, it started back in 1977. And actually, you know, I was a fan of, of the uh, European artists even before uh, Heavy Metal, you know, came out in America because Heavy Metal is actually... Uh, uh, sort of import of, of European science fiction and fantasy material. So, uh, uh, you know, that was a great influence on me when I was developing um, uh, my work and my craft. And so for that, uh, um, you know, first sale to be a cover of the heavy metal magazine was, uh, uh, was, was a big honor for me. And that, that's another one of those books that has that very distinct style because I, I had never heard of heavy metal until I saw the movie which I think was done in 81 82 or somewhere in the early 80s it was early 80s correct yes and I, I remember seeing the movie you know years ago and then that introduced to the magazine and that that also is you know it has its very distinct style but you know I I, I do like it and I enjoyed the film as well yeah, they did a real nice job in, in adapting uh, some of the stories and, and creating some new stories. Uh, stylistically, you know, they, they kept each of the segments uh, uh, very unique, just like the, the comic book uh, uh, illustrations uh, were unique to each particular story. And it was uh, quite different for uh, cinema uh, of that time period. Uh, it was, um, um, you know, a real groundbreaking film. Um, just as a side note, um actually a producer uh, uh, on a documentary that is being made on the making of the heavy metal movie. Uh, oh, really? Yes. Denise and I uh, are uh, partners with uh, a company in uh, Canada, and they're um, um, putting together this documentary. We're been working on it for a little while. We're still working on it, but uh, it's got a real uh, interesting background on how everything came together and, and uh, you know, the creative talents, uh, uh, you know, behind that, as well as the musical talents uh, uh, that did the music for the film. Uh, uh, there was a, a quite a lineup of very big stars, you know, of that mm -hmm. time. Very, uh, very good soundtrack. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, that's one of the fun things that sort of a background uh, project that uh, is happening with us. So. Uh, we'll we'll put out more information as as we move on with it, but uh, yeah, it's 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 been fun finding out all these little details about that that film. That's awesome. No, I I would love to see that because, like I said, I I really enjoyed that film and you know, just seeing the making of it because I I've always been curious about that myself. So yeah, yeah. I, I'd definitely be interested in seeing it for sure. It'll it'll be very interesting when it gets finished. Now you've worked on. Other properties as well. You've worked on, you know, Indiana Jones, uh, Star Wars, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Predator, GI Joe. Besides, well, I mean, Star Wars may not be your particular favorite, but like, what what is your favorite uh, that you've worked on? And if it if it's Star Wars, what would be another besides that? 
Uh, well, you know, I I sort of live in the moment, uh, you know, trying um, to, you know, make every piece that I work on a challenge and, and interesting to me. Uh, that way I can make it interesting, you know, to the fans as well. Uh, Star Wars, obviously, um, because I was a fan way before I started working on the artwork and on the license, uh, is very close to my heart, and it still is after all these years. Um, uh, Indiana Jones, I, I really enjoyed because I, I love adventure films, and, and so, you know, that fit right in with, uh, uh, you know, the style that, that uh, um, of storytelling that I want to uh, uh uh, portraying in my paintings um you know i i've just been fortunate in my career to have been uh chosen to uh you know represent you know quite a few different licenses you know both in the comic field uh, tv and, and uh, movie uh, fields and um you know i i enjoy what i do i enjoy painting you know whether it's for licensed product or, or you know something just for myself so I, I can't say that there's any particular favorites because because what I do, you know, is the favorite thing I love to do. <laughs> so, um, you know, every every new piece is, is a challenge, and, and I, I make it a challenge to make it the best that I can. And so, um, uh, you know, it, that's a hard question to answer. No, I and I totally understand. But you've actually done some original work as well. I know you've worked on uh, a story called uh, The Wasted Lands. Right. And uh, what exactly is that about? Because when I was doing my research, you know, it, it looks interesting, but what, what exactly is the concept of it and what was the inspiration behind it? We'll start with the inspiration. I and mean, the inspiration is, is just me wanting to, you know, put a footprint uh, in the comics industry um, uh, an industry that I've loved, you know, so much in, in my life and, and has given me, you know, really the, the impetus to, you know, become the artist that I am. I just wanted to make a, um, uh, you know, a, a little mark, you know, in the history of comics by, you know, doing a comic. And, and um, when I decided to develop Wasted Lands as a comic series, um, you know, I, I just chose elements of various um, uh, storytelling genres that I like and and developed the stories and the characters, hoping that other people would like them as well. Uh, you know, being a fan of uh, Westerns and, and Sergio Leone uh, especially, uh, a fan of, of movies like Blade Runner and Star Wars and Aliens and uh, Indiana Jones and uh, adventure films. I just decided to make this sort of uh, rollicking motorcycle science fiction western uh, adventure horror zombie thing. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at motorcycle western. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, so so it's you know it's a sort of Sergio Leone western. You know, substituting motorcycles instead of horses and. You know, a, a diesel punk uh, attitude. Uh, you know, towards the story. You know, telling a you know a story about a guy who's uh, very disillusioned and, and hasn't found a path or has lost his path in, in life. And and uh, you know, some things happen that uh, you know give him a direction. 
And so, you know, there's good guys and bad guys and monsters and, uh, you know, all the things that I think are, are cool and, you know, hopefully others will as well. So the, the, um, first, the first graphic novel, Rail, came out in 2001 um, and uh, it came out from Image. And I had uh, plans to do, you know, some follow-ups, but we had some some business uh, um, problems, you know, at the time with Image, and so I sort of put the, the project on the back burner. And uh, two years ago, uh, I got contacted by a friend of mine, Mike Kennedy, who was just starting a brand new uh, company called Magnetic Press, and uh, he said, uh, you know, you got this. Uh, graphic novel that you published years ago. You want to put it back in the, the public and you know get going on doing some more? And I said, sure. So um, I worked with him on, on uh, reformatting the graphic novel. I recolored the whole thing. I relettered the whole thing. I, I redrew you know a bunch of it. I rewrote some of it to bring it up to date with some other material that had been published uh, since the original. Uh, and we put out a, a, a very large hardback volume uh, called The Wasted Lands Omnibus. And uh, that can be found on Amazon.com or if you go to MagneticPress.com, uh, they have it for sale. But, uh, uh, you know, we sort of put this uh, large book together and it was uh, a, a compilation of a lot of the Wasted Lands material. Uh, put it out there. The fans you know, seem to, to really enjoy it. The fans who have been looking forward to more material since the 2001 book came out. We're very excited to see some new material come out from me, as well as you know a relaunch of the old uh, original graphic novel. Um, and as a matter of fact, we got nominated for an Eisner Award this past summer uh, for um, um, best uh, uh, repackaging of existing material. Oh, very cool! So uh, you know, I thank Magnetic Press for that because Mike Kennedy, you know, did a real good job in, in putting that book together. Um, so, uh, that came out, uh, last year, uh, and like I say, it is available, uh, Amazon or, or uh, magneticpress.com, and I'm working on the follow-up right now, and, uh, we're hoping to do, uh, um, you know, one a year until I finish the, what was originally the five, uh, volume series to tell the story of the characters. That's awesome. I'm, I'm very interested in in reading it because the the plot as like i said earlier you had me at motorcycle western <laughs> uh another book you did uh actually won a uh bram stoker award called dead heat uh, what what is uh like what is that book about uh i have a writing partner uh del stone jr who is um uh the editor at the uh, um uh fort walton newspaper uh, and I've known Del for just a million years, and he's a great writer. And um, uh, he helped me um, sort of structure uh, the Wasted Lands um, graphic novel because I'm not a writer. I, I wish I was a better writer, uh, but I can come up with you know good plots and, and good stories, but I'm not a writer. So Del was very uh, helpful in, in working with me on that. And we've worked on uh, a number of projects since then, uh, but one of the uh, interesting characters that I created was this character, uh, Hitch. And um, uh, he is um, just sort of this, this 
vagabondic um, um, motorcycle guy who, um, uh, right before uh, this sort of zombie plague comes around, he crashes his motorcycle and gets all banged up and half his face gets ripped off. And uh, uh, he gets really, really badly damaged, but then comes back as a zombie. And um, but the difference is uh, he is a conscious zombie. He's sentient. He he knows where he is. He his brain is not damaged. Uh, he's not you know a, a Walking Dead type walker. Uh, he's a zombie with a brain. And so he uh, has to navigate a world where uh, you know. Normal people think that, uh, uh, you know, he's a zombie, so they want to kill him. And the zombies think that, uh, you know, he's human, so they want to eat him and, you know, kill him. And so <laughs> he, has to, he has to walk this fine line, you know, between both, you know, and still stay alive. Right. And um, that's basically what uh, Dead Heat is about. It's, it's a series of, of adventures of Hitch, um, uh, you know, sort of fighting his way in, in this pulp post-zombie uh, apocalyptic world, you know, making allies, uh, coming across very, very bad, uh, you know, humans and, and uh, uh, zombie slavers and, and uh, other type of, of, you know, bad guys. And, uh, you know, trying to make people, you know, understand that, that he's not a brainless, you know, eating machine. And, uh, um, yeah, Dell wrote this just beautiful set of stories, um, and uh, we collected them, and uh, he rewrote uh, uh, some chapters to tie it all together to make this novel Dead Heat. And uh, um, it was this was this was you know before the days of Walking Dead and before the, the days of, of the real popular zombie stuff. Right. And uh, uh, you know it got nominated for for uh, uh, Bram Stoker Award, and, and uh, you know we were real happy you know about that, and then he won, and uh, we were very happy about that. And, um, you know, it's a great book. And so, uh, uh, you know, you can still find it uh, um, occasionally. Uh, I um, will be – I'm redoing my website right now, so as soon as I, I get the uh, sales pages up, uh, that book will be available, you know, on DaveDorman.com. So if uh, your listeners want to check it out, it's very cool. Uh, it has uh, illustrations by uh, myself. And uh, a friend of mine, Scott Hampton, who is a, a fairly well-known uh, comic book illustrator. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it's it's a great read if you like horror and uh, zombie stories. You know, and and you know, I think it'd make a real interesting film too. I mean, it's it's you know, it's a zombie movie, but it's not about uh, you know just humans and and uh, you know walkers. It's about you know someone trying to to you know live you know in the balance. Uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting concept. It's a different take on the traditional zombie concept. Absolutely. Now, a uh, couple more things I wanted to ask you. Uh, what are some of the current projects that you're working on? Uh, current projects, of, let's see. I'm doing uh, uh, some new Star Wars work, which is real nice, uh, with Marvel Comics. Uh, I've been doing uh, uh, some variant covers. Uh, variant cover is, is a cover that's a little bit different from um, uh, uh, the normal uh, newsstand cover. Mm -hmm. uh, they um, um, 
Uh, I'm also um, doing uh, some work. I, I did a cover for Batman for the Dark Knight uh, 3 uh, series that just came out a couple weeks ago. Uh, there's another series called Lantern City I'm doing a, a cover for. Uh, I've got uh, some other, you know, smaller press covers that I'm, I'm working on. I am working on a set of uh, paintings uh, trying to put together a gallery show uh, of a little bit different work than I'm normally known for, you know, the science fiction, uh, fantasy, you know, licensed work. Uh, you know, that's what made me famous. But, you know, I like to do other things as well. So uh, I'm uh, putting together, you know, a, uh, sort of trying to put together a show of, of other artwork uh, so that people can, can see a different side of me. That's awesome. Uh, what is one piece of advice that you could give to anyone who is an aspiring artist? Uh, well, I, I can give a couple of pieces of advice. Um, one of it is just draw, you know, draw or paint, follow your craft, you know, as, as much as you can. Every day you have to do something because if you don't, don't do the work, you're not going to get better. Uh, if, if you think that it's going to come to you overnight or you're going to be, you know, a genius, uh, you know, with just sitting down, picking up a, a pencil or a brush, uh, that's not going to happen. So you have to put the time in to do the work to get better. And when I do lectures, I, I talk about um, uh, the, the, it's sort of, I call it the two Ps, patience and persistence. You need to be patient because it's going to take a while to get good. But if you're persistent and you do the work, you will eventually hit that, that mark. So, you know, if you follow the two Ps, patience and persistence, um, it, it will pay off. So the, that's really the, the major advice that, that I can give as far as uh, uh, someone who is just starting, you know, practicing, uh, just finding their way. That's really good advice. I, I like that, the two Ps, patience and persistence. Yeah. And finally, what is your uh, website, and uh, do you have any social media that you would like to plug as well so the listeners can uh, follow your artwork? Yeah, um, I have a website. It's davedorman.com, D-A-V-E-D-O-R-M-A-N, all one word. Um, that is a website that has uh, a lot of artwork on it. It has things for sale. Uh, it is being rebuilt, so there's some old material on there, some of the news. Uh, section uh, pieces are old, but it's still fun to navigate through and uh, take a look. Uh, obviously, if people are just looking to uh, see some of my artwork, the easiest thing is to just Google my name, Dave Dorman, and you'll come up with uh, many, many hundreds of, of pieces of artwork, um, mostly being Star Wars because that's that's very popular. But if you uh, take time to go through, you'll see just a, a, a flotilla of uh, wonderful pieces uh, within the science fiction, fantasy, and comic book worlds. Uh, I also have uh, some Facebook pages. Uh, there's uh, uh, Dave Dorman, uh, fans of Dave Dorman, um, Dave Dorman's Wasted Lands, um, and you can Google those as well. Uh, that's where you know a lot of the news um, uh, comes in. I do have a blog at uh, uh, davedorman.wordpress.com. And I, I do a blog every, once a month, maybe. Uh, I throw some new artwork on there. I talk about uh, some procedures, some techniques that, that I do. 
uh, and uh, just just basically an update on on projects that I'm working on. And uh, Twitter, I have a Twitter uh, account, but uh, to be honest with you, I don't know what it is right now. I just think it's at Dave Dorman. Um, and uh, I'm sure there's more, and my wife is going to give me grief because I can't remember what they are. <laughs> my wife is my PR person, so so she she keeps tabs on me pretty good. But you know, my my head's full of images and trying to remember all the uh, minutia of social media. That's why I leave it up to her. <laughs> I, I gotcha. And uh, in closing, I would just like to say uh, thank you very much for taking the time to do the interview. It was an honor. You are very welcome. My thanks again to Dave Dorman for that wonderful interview. Be sure to follow him on social media. Check out his website, which you can find in the description of this podcast. And I can't wait to meet him again in person at Pensacon. Next week, I'll be talking with another upcoming Pensacon guest, you know her as the original Jennifer Parker from Back to the Future, Miss Claudia Wells. So trust me, you'll definitely want to check out that episode. But until then, you can check out past episodes of the show on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can also follow me on social media. You can like me on Facebook. Just search for The Derek Diamond Experience. You can follow the show on Twitter at DDE underscore podcast. And you can follow me personally on Twitter at Derek underscore Diamond. And that's all I've got. So enjoy the rest of your week. Have a safe and fun weekend. Thank you for tuning in to another amazing episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I am your host, Derek Diamond. And we'll see you guys back here next Thursday. been listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.